Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. We got Dylan Chris on. And unlike what we've been doing, we're going to just jump straight into our division roundup and we're going to do the NFC South. And for the people that do listen to us, you do know that two of us on here are NFC South. Our fa- our teams are in there. Um, one's going one way, the other's going the other. Um, and we will talk about that. Chris, I'm going to start actually... Dill, we're going to start with you. Uh, you got it from Josh. We're going to go worst to first in the division. What is Josh's rankings? Uh, so me and Josh have the same rankings. Uh, Falcons, Panthers, Saints, Bucks is how we rank the division from worst to first. All right. Chris, what do you got? I got the Falcons, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Buccaneers by a significant margin. Okay. Say, say that. Who is their third and fourth? Sorry. He's so my, la- my last is Atlanta, and my third is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I'm going to go Atlantic. I'm going to go with you guys the same as Josh and Dylan, Atlanta, Carolina, um, New Orleans, and Tampa. But I think Atlanta and Carolina could be a little closer than people think. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I did to you last week, Dad. But I'm gonna do it to Chris this week. Chris, you said a couple weeks ago uh, that your top five, that the Atlanta Falcons weren't in the top five in picks, but the Saints were. But now you have it flipped. Yeah, was that before the draft or after the draft? It was in June, so it was much, much after the draft. Much, much after. Last month. Um, I, I, I still honestly wouldn't be surprised. I just very, I very much valued Sean Payton as their head coach. I just thought he was a great football mind. And to me, they're going through a big transition point with their coach without a solid, like a super confident starting quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Jameis Winston could step in and play well, but I mean, he was out for a lot of last year. So to me, there's just a lot of transition without like a held down leader, in my opinion. So, I mean, I still wouldn't be surprised. I stand by. I think they're going to be really bad. But at the moment, just looking at the Falcons and their pieces, it's just – when I, to me, it comes down to the quarterback situation. And obviously quarterbacks are a significant piece in an offense. And when you have Marcus Mariota starting, that's, that's a big concern for me. So that's why I put the Falcons last is just because of starting quarterback. So if, okay, well, we'll get into this. We'll get into this. All right. So since everybody's got, like we do normally, we go from four to one. Um, and I guess we'll all start with Atlanta. So Dylan, what do you think is going to be Pitts in year two? I mean, you know, Chris just said it. Quarterbacks matter, especially to a tight end. So what do you think the productivity and the actual – is it going to be the same production, less production, more production? Is he going to be leaned on more? I mean, what are you expecting out of Kyle Pitts in year two? Uh, I mean, he played well in year one. I mean, he had over a 1,000 yards receiving. He didn't have a lot of touchdowns, which you expect – touchdown regression positive touchdown regression is that he'll probably score a couple of touchdowns he was pretty inefficient whether that was him or Matt Ryan or a combination of both um he t- 
targets to receptions was about almost it was less than it was higher than 50 percent but not by much he had 110 targets only 68 receptions um so you ex- hope that number closes Inger. yeah uh, like where you're not having over 40 incompletions towards yeah. towards you um but i think i expect him to be the probably the number one weapon in um in Atlanta. I think Drake London will have an impact his rookie year, but you just don't know what he's going to be like, uh, whether he's going to, cause he, he is, I don't know if he's practicing yet. Uh, he didn't start off on the pup list, right? No, Uh, he did not. Cause he was rehabbing an injury. I know that. Um, he did not start on the pup list. So hopefully he's healthy. And if he's healthy, he'll be a factor, but I obviously, obviously my Kyle Pitts is going to be the number one target. Uh, but that means the defenses are going to key in on him more. So it'll, I'll be interested to see. I think he'll probably, barring injury, he'll probably break a thousand yards, probably have more than five or six touchdowns. He'll probably have 70, 80 catches at least. I mean, I think he'll be, I think he'll be, he'll establish himself as one of the best tight ends in the league. Right now, we project him to be that, but I think this year he'll kind of take that step into being okay. Kyle Pitts is a legit top five tight end in the league okay well he does need to improve as a blocker though i will say that yeah i agree with that too um all right start talking with that chris you just said it yourself marcus Mariota's the quarterback right now starting quarterback for the atlanta falcons he does have history with arthur smith but who is the best person to lead this team going forward is it a quarterback coming out in 2023 is it ritter is it Mariota? Sorry, are, are you making me choose a leader amongst the quarterbacks? Yes, I am. <laughs> Can I say none? I don't think any of them are going to be able to lead so I said, the team it's this 20, year. I said, is it somebody coming out in 2023? Well, to me, it has to be Ritter because you don't use a – I mean, they drafted Ritter in the second third. round? Third? Okay. So they drafted him in the third round, so at least they didn't use a first if he ends up being just a career backup. Mm-hmm. But even to me, you don't draft, you don't draft a quarterback without an established quarterback. Do you get what I'm saying? So Mariota isn't like the established leader of the Falcons, and to me, you don't draft a rookie unless you're planning to hand the keys to him, whether it's in the middle or to the end of this year. I don't think he's. I don't think Ritter's sitting all year. Period. But does that mean that Ritter is going to be capable and the best leader? I genuinely don't know. I, I, I hope so. I like Desmond Ritter. I mean, I have him in fantasy. So, <laughs> so I mean, I do think that Ritter's going to end up being the starter. But the thing that excites me the most for the Falcons and the guy that a lot of people are sleeping on is them getting Brian Edwards from the Raiders in a trade. Yep. I think he's a guy that was very underutilized in Las Vegas last year. And I think he could be a pretty big piece, especially with a lot, like Dylan was mentioning with Kyle Pitts taking so much of the attention. I do think he's going to have a, I'm calling it right now. Brian Edwards will have over a thousand receiving yards next year. Okay. Yeah. It's my hot take. My Falcons hot take. (laughs) All right. All right. Um, I, I think my only thing, you know, this being my team, I like Ritter. I like his accuracy. A third rounder in the third round, you know, other players that were in that spot. I think we took him in the sense that 
he is a good quarterback. If it, it is, if if something comes out and he doesn't look or doesn't see something next year, when we have, you know, if we have a top five pick, you know, even though you say we don't, um, you know, that we have quarterbacks, you know, on the table, you know, there's a, there's a, almost a, a plethora of quarterbacks coming out. So I like to see, I really would, if I'm being a Falcons fan, I want to see Ritter on, on the field way before, not just during preseason. If we're in a bad spot, just throw him on there and yeah. see what he could do. Um, I got a quick question for Dylan. Dylan, when did the Buccaneers draft Kyle Trask or what round? End of the second. He was the last pick of the second round. See, and, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, to me, that pick makes more sense because they had an established quarterback mm-hmm. that someone could learn under. But with the Falcons, you don't have a Tom Brady on your team to teach a young guy like that. So, to me, I think they took him with the intention of playing him towards the end of this year. Well, I think, I think though, Arthur Smith has a, a style of quarterback that he likes and – Ritter fits that very, very well. Um, if you think like Ryan Tannehill, who had a lot of success, Arthur Smith had a lot of success with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Ritter's, like, I think we uh, want Ritter's slightly more athletic than Ryan Tannehill. And I say slightly I because Ryan, Ryan Tannehill is an athlete. He was a former wide receiver at Texas A&M yep. and converted to, converted to quarterback. But Ritter has an advantage that Ritter, I think, is a better passer than Ryan Tannehill is. Ryan Tannehill might be a little bit more accurate, but Tannehill is a better or or yeah, Tannehill is a better, more a little bit more accurate. Um, I think Ritter's Ritter got more arm strength. Pure, Ritter's got more arm strength. Ritter's more of a a, a complete quarterback. Yeah. Uh, at this stage of his career, uh, and so I think Arthur Smith's trying to recreate a little bit with Ritter what he had with Tannehill. Uh, and I, I honestly think the whole team is being recreated after Atlanta or after Tennessee. Tennessee. You think, you think Ritter or even Mariota, then Algier, that big Algier is a big yep. Drake London, who's who's a, like slower than AJ Brown, but fits that AJ Brown is that style type of, that type of mold. He's a little bit different, so you might not be able to use him in the same ways, but. You have that kind of concept of him. And then Kyle Pitts is kind of your X factor guy. Well, Kyle, I, I see you see how they're trying to form in Atlanta, what they had in Tennessee. Um, right. I was actually thinking about that today while I was do, like, do at the gym and doing stuff. I was, I, that came to my mind. I don't know why that randomly came into my mind, but it was, I think I was listening to a podcast and it kind of helped me or they were talking about Tyler Algier. And then I went off in my own mind about, how the rest of them fit kind of like Tennessee. So I see what they're trying to build there, but like, it's a third round pick. If, if Ritter doesn't work, cool. Take a, take CJ Stroud, take Bryce Young, take Tyler Van Dyke, take Will Levis, take someone like that uh, in the first round next year. And no one's going to bat an eye. Right. Well, and I look at, you know, you say Kyle Pitts is the next factor. I look at it like a Delaney Walker, but maybe a little bit better in a sense. Delaney Walker was a, he had hands. He was a soft catcher. He could run the ball. Kyle Pitts is a little bit better than that. Maybe, you know, Delaney Walker's a better blocker. He's a bigger body. 100%. <laughs> but, but as far as, you know, just talent-wise as a tight end, I would put Kyle Pitts a little bit better. So, I don't know. I, I like – I thought about the same way. 
I thought that Arthur Smith is trying to turn an old Tennessee team into the new Atlanta Falcons type conversion. So, yeah, but, but when's the last time that Atlanta's had like a legitimate like running game? Michael Turner. Uh, 2016. I mean, when we went to Devante the Super Freeman. Bowl, Devontae was. I mean, we had Devontae. That's and, true. That's true. You had the one-two punch. Jeffrey, who's the other guy? Um, Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman. That's that's right. I did yeah. forget about that. So, so and that sent us to that sent us to a Super Bowl with him. Only reason I got mad was we should have ran the ball instead of trying to throw the ball, and we'd probably won. Wait, what um, was the score we, again? Yeah, don't worry about the score. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. So. So okay, we you know we all picked Atlanta to be the last team. It is clear that they're in a rebuild setup. Chris, is Arthur Smith safe no matter what? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, if he's in a bigger, if Atlanta was more of a big market team, I'm talking like a Dallas, Dallas or the Raiders, someone that's in the media a ton, then maybe not. But right now, the I would say the Atlanta Falcons are really. I mean, they're not. I wouldn't consider them low market because they are like a. They do Atlanta's, have like a, a, Atlanta's a big city for for sports. Yeah, but overall, they're, they're, they're not like team. they're not in the headlines like some of these other places. So I think yeah, he's one hundred percent safe. I mean, unless they go like oh for sixteen, unless it's like drastically what, bad. Well, most so what Dan Quinn did before he got fired. I mean, <laughs> I don't think Dan Quinn was that terrible personally. I don't think so either. But he got fired because we went we went zero and five. Yeah. But that's also, so, you guys weren't in a rebuild at that point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely there. Um, so, all right. So, we'll switch over to, since Chris is the only one that had the Saints, I'm going to put them at number two. Um, we're going to switch to Carolina. Um, and, Dylan, I got a question for you. And when we talked about this. Who is the best QB for for Carolina to win right now? Uh, it's probably Baker. Um, I don't really know. I like Sam Darnold, but I think Sam Darnold has proven he's probably not a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he's probably a better spot starter, backup type of guy. Uh, and I think that's probably going to be what the rest of his career looks like. Uh, uh, he could shock us and be really good and turn around, but I'm not holding my breath. But uh, Baker, I mean, we know Baker. I I still I can't like I I get what Cleveland did in in getting Deshaun Watson because he's an upgrade from Baker. When Deshaun's on the field healthy, he's an upgrade from Baker. But I can't. I still can't wrap my mind around the how dirty they did Baker, the best quarterback you've had in twenty some odd years, and you just say, "Nope, bye. You're you mean nothing to us anymore." Like he literally gave you football relevance again. He came in at the end of his rookie season and won a a string of games when they were terrible. Then he had Freddie Kitchens, which was a nightmare, and then. You get Stefanski, and he goes to the playoffs and should have beat the Chiefs and went to the AFC Championship game that year. They won a playoff game, went to the the, the semis or the, the conference semis, and they he should have beaten the Chiefs to go to the conference finals or the conference championship game, and they and they lost. But 
And then last year he plays through an injury. So, and he was still better than Sam Darnold last year uh, with an injury. So I think it's going to end up being Baker, uh, probably much to the chagrin of uh, Robbie Anderson, but who cares? Robbie Anderson is pretty relevant. irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, so he hasn't, he hasn't really had a good year in at least two years since his first year in Carolina, really. And yeah, I don't know. So that's my thoughts. Chris, all right. The most dynamic running back in the last three years has been one was CMC until he got injured in the last two. He's been injury prone for at least two seasons now. Carolina has said that they're going to change how he was used during the, you know, the, the week to try and keep him healthy and on the field during, you know, for Sundays. If he stays healthy, are we going to see the CMC of old? Are we going to see a different CMC because of injuries? I mean, how old is he? 24, 25? 25. 25. I mean, he, he should still have all the, all the tools. I mean, I think if he stays healthy, especially when you have a guy, to me, when you have a guy like Baker Mayfield, to me, so I really like Baker. I still think he's got, he's a great quarterback. I think he's got, a, okay, great. That's an exaggeration. He's a good quarterback with potential to still be great, in my opinion. Um, so when you have a guy like Baker, who's actually a threat to, you know, complete some passes, all the attention won't be on Christian McCaffrey. It won't have to be dump offs every single play. I mean, you actually get, because like Baker, I mean, think about it. When Odell was healthy, Baker was trying to force the ball to him because the whole drama, when, I mean, Baker goes, some of, some of Baker's best games is when he spreads the ball around. And while DJ Moore is the clear best receiver on the Panthers, he's not one of those guys that are going to demand the ball every snap. So I think Baker's going to have that freedom to um, spread the ball around the offense. I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to be used as much. And that's kind of why I like this offense. And Tommy Tremble, yeah, I think he's a pretty underrated tight end. I think he could have a pretty good season with Baker. Although, I don't know. Baker has shown shines of being able to use a tight end with Austin Hooper. Um, when he was with Cleveland. He, he left Njoku out in the dust, basically. Well, that's, I mean, that was just, that that wasn't Baker. I mean, Njoku just didn't see the field as much as he should have, period. True. So, I mean, that's a, to me, that's more of a coaching failure. I mean, and how stupid that is that they didn't use him basically the entire year and then they franchise tag him. Yeah. I, like, what? The Browns franchise is absurd, but we're talking about the Panthers. But, I mean, I really like Baker. I think he's going to be really good. Um, I already forgot your original question, to be honest with you. Is CMC going to be the CMC? Oh, old? CMC. We weren't talking about Baker. Yeah, all right. not at all. <laughs> no, I do think CMC has the potential to be of old, as, like, especially because he won't have to, like, literally touch the ball every single play for the offense to move. That's true. I, I guess I, my thing is, is, I do agree. I, I, I looked at, you know, I mean, I'm not, and I know this is going to throw back on what, you know, Dylan was saying with Baker and what you're saying it, you know, when CMC was good and healthy, the first four or five games, Sam Darnold looked really good. When CMC went down, Sam Darnold started seeing ghosts again. And, well, that's and the when, thing. Baker's more capable than Sam Darnold. Right. No, I, I agree. So I, I think what you're saying is true is I think Baker, if Baker and CMC can coexist in the sense of, 
he can spread the ball and everything can work out. So CMC's workload isn't, I have to do everything for this team to win. I think you could see CMC of old because he can oh, do yeah, what 100%. he needs to do. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I totally agree. Um, but okay, there's all this controversy right now. Who's the starting quarterback? If you know all this stuff, you know, Robbie Anderson's not happy that you know Baker's even there. Dude, screw Robbie Anderson. He can't catch a ball. <laughs> but Matt Rule hasn't had the greatest coaching NFL head coaching way of it right now. His, his record's not great. His team hasn't been, you know, the team that he was thinking it was. He got rid of Cam Newton when he first walked in the door. Then he brings him back last year. We're going into year three. Is he on the hot seat if they don't oh, do yeah. well? Yeah, because he's made, he's made a lot of big decisions that could have turned the franchise in multiple directions. Like he's been a part of a lot of big decisions. What do you think? As Bill? far as Cam Newton playing, and so and this he's going to his third year, right? Yep, he's in. He's starting year three. This and is kind of usually not, the. And the, and they had to me, in my opinion, they have the best D line in the NFL, and they have some of the best. Like to you look at their secondary, and I do think they have like a top, uh, top ten, um, se- um, secondary in the league, so. I mean, to me, and their linebackers aren't terrible. To me, this is a team that just has no reason to be. They're not in rebuild mode. No. But it feels like they are. Hmm. I can see that. Dill, what's your thoughts? Um, I think Rule is definitely on the hot seat. It'll be dependent on how they how the season looks, not necessarily how they finish. Because um, I think there's a difference. If if they finish. Like I have them finishing with seven wins, but if if they finish with seven wins and Baker looks good, but they just have injuries and, and different things, and it looks like they have the quarterback position maybe figured out, I think there's a chance he keeps his job. Um, but I um, I think if you if he's five wins and they're just awful again because he has five wins each of his first two years. Yeah. I think he's fired and gone because they've given him some leeway with, with quarterbacks getting rid of Cam Newton, signing Teddy Bridgewater, getting rid of Teddy Bridgewater, and bringing in Sam Darnold. I but like basically getting rid of Sam Darnold, bringing in Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think they have done really good in the draft. I think mm-hmm. they've killed the draft, especially on yeah. defense his first year coming in. And I think the first – all pit, all seven or all ten, however many picks they had, were all defense. And you bring in Jeremy Chin, Derek Brown, you bring in Yurder Gross Matos, you bring in JC Horn, you trade for CJ Henderson. Like I think the front office has killed it. You yeah. draft yeah. Iki Aquanu this year to to shore up your O line. You bring in Bradley Bozeman as your center this year. Like they've improved that team. And so to there's an element that makes me want to say like, yeah, he could be gone. And, but I don't think you clean house. I think you change coaches because I honestly think even though they're in my division, I think with good coaching and a better, I don't think DJ Moore is a number one receiver. I think he's a better number two receiver. And you bring in, if you bring in a, a, a competent, co- a, a better coach, well, I, I want to reserve judgment more a little bit on Matt rule. Cause I do kind of like Matt rule and what he's done. 
I think he could be a good coach. Uh, but if you bring in a solid number one receiver and then you bring in a, a – if Baker proves to be a good quarterback, I think this team has a chance to be a, a playoff team. If Even this year, I think they could break my expectations and be a, above 500 and make it into the back into the playoffs. Like, I really do. I don't think they will, but I there's a or I don't plan on them doing that. That's why I have them as a seven win third team in this division. But it wouldn't shock me if they win nine, ten games and sneak into the playoffs as a as a wild card. It wouldn't shock me at all. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna take a break. We're midway through the division. We're gonna take a break and uh we'll come back and talk about the top two teams and see what else we can talk about after that. Be right back. All right, guys, we're back, and we are going to go with the New Orleans Saints. Um, Chris, we start. We we started. We ended off with you here. We talked about this before the, the show. Who is going to be the number one receiver in New Orleans? Oh, <laughs> that that's tough. I'm going to put you because... on the spot because you got Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas is back. Well, it's not Jarvis Landry. So is it Michael Thomas? It's between Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. Okay, so you're not going to put even Traquan Smith or Marquez Callaway in there? Is that a serious question? Uh, no. Okay. I just had to throw him out there. <laughs> no, I think Chris Olave has number one potential. But to me, I don't know. Michael Thomas, I'm not saying he's not a good wide receiver because he put up a fantastic season before he got hurt and decided to get surgeries right before the season started, this and that. Um but he doesn't have an accurate quarterback like he did in Drew Brees anymore. He doesn't have a guy who's going to be able to hit him perfectly on the run, on slants, all the time. I mean, Jameis Winston's a guy who loves to take deep shots, risky shots, and I just don't know if Michael Thomas is that kind of receiver. So I think this year will be really interesting because Michael Thomas was always a good receiver, but this is the first year that he doesn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing to him. So I'm interested to see how he does. But to me, I like Chris Olave more as a number one. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be a number one to start this season because he's a rookie. Right. I do think he'll end up being the number one, though. Okay. So you think Winston and Olave will have a better connection than Thomas and Winston? I do. I actually (laughs) – honestly, I, I see Michael Thomas as a guy who doesn't handle adversity well. And I think after he uh, gets a few throws missed, I think he's going to start showing frustration. And he could – here's another – here's here's my Saints hot take. He demands a trade by the trade deadline. Because I just see Michael Thomas as a diva. Okay. All right. Well, Bill, we've been talking about coaches, especially in this in this division. Um, Dennis Allen is officially getting his first year as a head coach, first time as a head coach. The reason I say official, because when, when Peyton was, uh, suspended, he kind of helped out with the coaching. So he's been there a couple times when Peyton got COVID, Dennis Allen was a head coach or acting interim, whatever you want to call it. What's the yeah, he's a head coach with Oakland? Was he really? He was the head coach for three years. Shows how much he really did well. Okay, so I guess it's opportunity number two. 
Um, what do you think the expectations for Dennis Allen this season? Uh, I think, I mean, he's got a, I think the expectations are win now, get into the playoffs. Um, they, that's, I mean, that's what they did. They keep pushing their salary into future years. Uh, they traded a future first in 2023 first for a second first round pick this year. So they could draft um, Chris Olave and draft um, Trevor Penning. So they're, they're pushing all their chips into the table and saying like, we're, we're going, we're here to win now. And so Dennis Allen, I mean, you essentially keep everything that Sean Payton had. You don't really lose anything, um, anything major. I mean, you do lose um, Marcus, Marcus Williams, Williams. But, you yeah. resi- but you but but you sign Marcus May, you sign Tyron Matthew, you have C.J. Gardner Johnson already. Um, so, I think that they they essentially kept most everything. They added some new pieces, which is what you want to do on defense, especially. You kind of want you don't want to go into the same year with the same thing every single year. You want to change it up, get some new flavors, new stuff going on. And that's what they kind of did in the secondary. I think that there'll be a I think there'll be a good team. I think they win. I think I have them winning nine or ten games this year, uh, is my thought. I think there'll be a, a wild card team getting to the playoffs. Uh, I think they just have a they have a good team. Jameis showed last year that he's able he he limited the turnovers. Uh it'll be a question whether he can do that with um with uh, Dennis Allen in, in his ear instead of Sean Payton, but they kept the same OC. So I think that'll be a lot of a continuity for Jameis. So how I, many game, sorry, how many games did Jameis start last year? Seven. seven. He went five and seven. two. And I think he was 14 of 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. Yeah, yeah. 14 and three. Yep. So, I mean, it's a two to less than two to, to a half interception touchdown interception ratio two touchdowns per over two touchdowns three touchdowns four four yeah (laughs) Yeah, i was doing i was doing different math in my head but he like to know which math but yeah i had my own i had my own formula formula. but um yeah i think Jameis was a little bit more conservative and i think you saw in games five, six, and seven with Jameis last year, that he was starting to open it up. He was very conservative the first four weeks. His last couple of games, I think he was opening it up, and he still wasn't turning the football over. So, I was, I'm, I'm very interested to see what he does this year. I, I mean, I, everyone knows Jameis came from Tampa. I was not a big Jameis Winston fan uh, uh, in Tampa. I didn't really want him, but I defended the guy, and I was more than happy when he left. But I still. I still have feelings of, of uh, I don't know what they are, but I have feelings towards them, so I still want to see them do well. So I've got another question here. It's not on our list of questions, but I wanted to ask this. It's kind of a two-parter. You know, we've got the situation with Alvin Kamara, and he could be suspended. But the bigger thing is, is, you know, when Kamara, when, when Kamara was hurt or whatever, you know, Taysom Hill was kind of like the, the guy that, you know, they put in the dynamic X factor Taysom Hill is not even listed on the quarterback depth chart. He's he a dynamic not... player. Don't call him a dynamic X factor. Okay. Well, he is now <laughs> the second string tight end dynamic player. How does that change 
does that change anything with him? I mean, Kamara coming out, could you see him move back into a maybe a running back, you know, with Kamara suspended, helping Ingram with uh, splits? No. No, Dennis Allen is like a good I, I agree with Dylan. Dennis, <laughs> Allen converted. Dennis Allen said he's a tight end. Sean Payton was the one that liked to use him in many different ways. You don't have him anymore. T- Taysom Hills, he might be used as like a like an end around or some kind of trick play, but you're not using him regularly other than as a tight end. Plain and simple. Okay. Yeah, I, pers- I personally like Dylan's first answer of no. <laughs> no explanation, just no. <laughs> so, all right. So you said it earlier, you know, Tyron Matthew is now in, in New Orleans. You know, he's a former LSU guy. Um, so I'm going to go to you, Chris, because you're, an, uh, you know, an LSU fan. This defense has been, I'd say, top five, maybe top ten, you know, in the last couple of years. Are, I, I know they, they got Tyron Matthew. They, you know, they, they put on some new pieces. But are they still going to be a top five defense? I mean, Dennis Allen, who was their defensive coordinator, has now moved to head coach. Is he still watching the D? Well, yeah. You know? Is he calling? I don't know if he's the DC. If he's calling plays, I'm I'm a, I'm, un, I'm unsure of that. But what I do see, they have a lot of the same players. I do think they made a few good additions. They did lose Marcus Williams, mm-hmm. which I thought he played fantastic for them. So he was a very good piece on their defense. Um, I just see guys like uh, what's his face, Cam 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 Jordan. Yep. So I mean, Cam Jordan's getting older. Um, who's their other main defensive lineman that's getting oh, linebacker? Sorry, Demario Davis. Demario Davis, older. yeah. So they have a lot of like really big players that have been X factors on their defense who are getting older. Even PJ Williams at corner, I know he's more of a depth piece now, but he even he's getting to 29, which for corners, I mean that's kind of nearing, like not not quite the end yet. No, but I mean they still have one of the, in my opinion. He hasn't been talked about enough as a top five corner in the NFL in Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, it's always just about the main five, like five guys with, um, what's it, the Bill, Tredavious White, Jair Alexander. I mean, last year, Trayvon Diggs, Jalen Ramsey. But Marshawn Lattimore happens to always be left out of that. <laughs> uh, well, I guess if you're a Saints, if, if you're a Saints hater like myself, you're, you're, he's not out of that. But I get you well, saying that. I get he what you're saying. Very, he is very good. And I also just look at this year, and I just obviously you can't predict injuries, but Tyron Matthew dealt with some injuries last year um, with Kansas City. And just with guys getting older and Cam Jordan and uh, Demario Davis, I think injuries could play a big piece. Because if one of those guys get hurt, to me, like both of those guys are so central. Because that's like your linebacker who's the he is the leader of the linebacking core. And then you have um, Jordan, who is the leader of the defensive line. So to me, but your leaders are getting older and I do think they'll still be good. I just don't see them being a top five. Okay. All right. Well, Dill, we're going to go to your, your, your number two team. Um, because your number one team is probably the Buffalo Bills because you talk more about them and wear more shirts about Josh Allen than you talk about Tom Brady. Yeah, what, what, what shirt are you wearing right now? Superman. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I just saw it was blue, so I figured. Uh, it fits me because, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a man of steel. But He's supporting Cam Newton. Yeah, he's, he's supporting Cam Newton. All right, we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and Dylan, I'm going to start with you. We're going to the Super Bowl and winning it this year. That's it. On the podcast. <laughs> is that is that actually how, like genuinely is that how you feel? Oh yeah, I do. I mean, there's definitely a chance. Like I'm I, not. That's I'm not like I'm not like saying that's dumb. I don't the, think the it's only team happen, the only but... team that stands in our way in the NFC is the Rams. That's the only team that concerns you. Yep. They were the only team that concerned me last year. <laughs> Look well, what happened. All right. Let's, let's, okay. I mean, you lost a few few people this offseason. How how good is Tom Brady going to be at 45? Well, dude should have won the MVP last year. So, I I firmly believe he should have been the MVP over Aaron Rodgers. I second and, that. Uh, but, I mean, he led the league in passing attempts, passing yards, passing completions, touchdowns. Like, I don't see him hitting a – a cliff that quickly and coming off whatever you could say, well, he feels like he, he was good enough to, he, he didn't want, he wanted to retire and leave and whatnot. No, I think he just wanted to stop having people ask him about it and take a month off and vacation and do nothing uh, without people asking him a million times what he's going to do. Kind of like what I think Gronk's doing right now. Uh, Cause I pretty much believe Gronk's coming back. <laughs> uh, but I uh, I think Tom Brady's going to be uh, MVP. I, I, I think yeah, he's going to be Tom Brady. He's probably going to be a top five MVP candidate. He's going to the Bucks are going to be a thirteen win team. Yeah, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, they got six wins against their division just to start. False. We haven't beaten I, the Saints since Tom Brady's been there in the regular season. So I will say this: I got a friend of mine at work who sit there and said. Uh, his thought that process. More, that, that might be more important to Tom Brady than winning the Super Bowl is beating the Saints in a regular <laughs> season game. His thought process is that Gronk will be back week 15 right before the playoffs. Yeah, Gronk's going to be back at some point. He's. I I, I firmly believe that there's, <laughs> there's nothing. Because Gronk's going to make a whole big deal. I thought about this today, too. Gronk's going to make a whole big deal because Gronk said that there's nothing that Tom Brady can say. He'll listen, but there's nothing that he can – bull. Tom, Rob, Robbie knows that uh, that if if Tom calls and says, "Hey, Robbie, you're coming <laughs> back, right?" He, Rob, everyone knows Rob Kowski is going to say, "Yeah, I'll come back, Tom." <laughs> all right, we all know Chris. that. Chris, Tampa Bay, you know, okay, granted, we talked about this before. You know, having a 45 year old quarterback does put your team as an older team already it doesn't matter what else what other players are on the team but is age going to play a factor i mean they've had you know tom brady's 45 they just signed uh, uh julio jones who's 33 you know um russell washed. gage is 30 and he's washed yeah okay i'll go there russell too. gage isn't 30 russell gage is like 26 yeah, he's in he's in his like third or fourth year. <laughs> he's okay. I'm sorry. He's 20. You're right. He is 26. So is but do you, <laughs> you know they got rid of JPP. I, I mean, 
Dillian Arizona's wide receiving court. It is, you know. I mean, Joe Joe Tryon's pushing 35. Um, Well, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So, is – but, I mean, if – if they do fall, if, if Brady does fall off, if he has a major fall off, Blaine Gabbert's your number two. Does this team take a different turn automatically? Brady won't be. He he won't. He he is. He I mean he's Brady. I mean I mean that's I mean I don't know how else to explain it. Brady okay. sold his soul a long time ago. He's not getting hurt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he has injury immunity. He paid his dues when he was hit in two thousand. When he tore his ACL. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kidding. I don't think Tom Brady sold his soul, but. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with this one then. In the off season, you guys changed head coaches, and not really in the sense of because it was bad. It was just. Bruce wanted to retire. Bruce decided to yeah, Bruce decided to run go in the front office instead of being on the field every day. So Todd Bowles gets a shot at his second time as a head coach. Didn't go too well for him the first time in New York. But Tell me he how didn't. many coaches in New York succeed. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say he is the Jets. <laughs> he also didn't have a a, 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 you know, a six a team, a, a team that was going to be really behind him. He had a defense, but not a team. Um, how do you think Bulls will be in year two? I mean, does it help that he had, I can't think of his name for your OC, stick around? Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich, thank you. Yeah, I think they're pretty much going to split duties. I mean, I mean, Todd is going to be the head coach, and I think he'll do a great job. I know the team really likes him. Uh, the defense really likes him. Not many players. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard a player say anything bad about Todd Bowles. Everyone talks about how much they love Todd Bowles. He'll he'll cover the defense. Byron will cover the offense. I mean, really, Tom Brady and Byron will cover the offense. Uh, and I think they'll be fine. I think Todd is is a great coach. I mean, he came in even his his first his first year. He came in. He improved our defense a ton. The second year is I. I believe is when Brady came in. Yeah. First year was under Jameis. We had a solid defense. I've been on record saying if we had a different quarterback that first year with Jameis, we go, we win 10, 11, 12 games and we're in the playoffs and we win a playoff game. I firmly believe that in that first year of Arians and Bulls. Second year, that's when we get Tom Brady and go win the Super Bowl. But I think we have such a great defense, and the way that Todd Bowles schemes up that defense is unbelievable. That's why I have a lot of hope for Joe Tryon in his second year being given essentially a full-time pass rushing gig uh, without re-signing JPP or Dadamik and Sue. So I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped for them. I think we have arguably the best linebacking core. In the NFL, Levante David, Devin White, whole nother conversation, but Levante David, Hall of Famer, my opinion, hands down, not because he's a homer, but I have the stats to prove that he's better than Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation, though, unless you want me to go into it right now. Yeah, you uh, really jumped on that one. <laughs> uh, I, we have a great secondary, Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield. I like the signing of Logan Ryan. Uh, Sean Murphy bunting, Jamel Dean. I think we have a solid defense, and that's going to be the calling card of Todd Bowles. If our defense sucks, it's 
on Todd Bowles because that's his defense. So that's going to be his calling card on how well we play. Because, I mean, you know what you're getting out of Tom. You know what you're getting out of that offense with uh, Mike Evans, a healthy Godwin, Russell Gage, Leonard Fournette. You know what you're getting out of a healthy t- offense. But the question is, is on the defense. Are we going to continue our the, comp- the, the, the top five level defense that we've had over the last three years? Or is that going to fall off? And if that falls off, that's squarely on Todd Bowles. But I don't, I don't foresee it um, falling off at all with Todd Bowles because the team, the team really likes him. Uh, so they're going to fight hard for him. They're going to play hard for him. And that's what Bruce Arians uh, said that he wanted. Whenever he get he left, he left so that he could give Todd Bowles a good team. Uh, he didn't want to leave him in shambles. He didn't want to leave with Tom Brady retired or gone or anything like that. Because Bruce Arians was ready. He said he was ready to coach the team this year had Tom Brady mm-hmm. stayed out of retirement or stayed in retirement. He wasn't going to give Todd Bowles a team without Tom Brady. And so when Tom came back, that's when he decided to, to walk away. So I think you could speculate in conspiracy theory and say Tom Brady and Bruce Arians didn't like each other. And Brady only came back because they promised that Tom, Bruce Arians. That's all junk. Uh, and so, but I think Todd Bowles will be good. I think we'll be a team and a good team. And whether you want to, most people won't attribute that to Todd Bowles and they'll say, well, Todd Bowles inherited such a good team. He had Tom Brady, he had all this. It's not really Todd Bowles. But if that, I think it really comes down to how that defense plays. If that defense plays really good, we win a Super Bowl. Uh, a lot of it's going to be attributed to Todd Bowles, at least in my opinion. Okay. That's a long winded way of saying I think he'll do good. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right. Well, that is the end of our division roundup. And Chris, I got a question for you. You know, this week, Kyler Murray got his big contract, had his little addendum that he has to study four hours a week. That's embarrassing, by the way. Yes, it is. Do you think his contract was worth what he or he was worth his contract? Absolutely not. <laughs> he's like a he's like a Dak Prescott without as much success. Puts up a lot of stats, and that's about it. Except Dak Prescott can actually win a few games at the end of a year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And Dak I mean, Prescott's worth like six million dollars less a year. Yeah, it, it just blows me away. I mean, what? I just don't understand how someone like Kyler Murray could warrant that. I mean, maybe if you were just going off of fantasy football statistics, <laughs> maybe, maybe I would consider that, but probably not even still. No, he's still a first-half quarterback. Yeah, because then but by the time he lets you, get you down to in the, the playoffs, championship, exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Some things just don't change. Well, like you um, said before, I mean, he he was you know first six weeks he's an MVP talk. Last you know ten he's gone. Well, no, he goes from – he's the only quarterback who is consistently going from first-half MVP uh, words, MVP talk, to should this guy be a starter. <laughs> <laughs> it goes top to bottom real quick with him at quarterback. So, But, I mean, to me, eh, he's – I mean, obviously he's not worth that much money. Um, What what kind of money would it be? Uh, he, he's like a mid-30 range for me. To me, he's like a Kirk Cousins range, my personal opinion. 
because I just like I said, when if you don't play well at the end of the year, why are you playing? Yeah. So I mean, go sixteen. No, you losing the go seven seventeen and no now go seventeen. No, losing the playoffs. What was your season? Worthless. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, you have a bad draft pick. It was actually bad for your franchise. All right, so Dill, I got a question for you. All right, you sign a $230 million contract. Then it comes out that in your contract says you have to do four hours more film time. Are you pissed? Are you upset? No, you're One mad that it gets out because you're an idiot. Well, like, I mean, it's... are you mad? Oh, here, let me finish quick. Are you mad that it gets out? No, it's going to get out. Like, the contract goes public. Like, like that's um like everyone you have access to it you can look at it um so you know it's gonna come out you know that it's gonna come out but i mean yeah the the fact that this has to be in writing is (laughs) ridiculous that is absolutely ridiculous is it an insult Um, no it's not an insult it's not an insult in that um like Oh, he's so good, and they like insult. No, like you, you are so bad at doing your job that your your boss said the only way we give you this money is if you actually do better at your job. Like you do what you're supposed to do. Like it's ridiculous. Like I couldn't. I, I keep hearing people in the media describe it uh, as. Like, they're like, this is something I, like, I forgot who it was. Someone went on this, like, illustration, and, like, you made it, they made you think that it was something else. He's like, no, this isn't, like, what I do to my kids. Like, we're, hey, you have an hour of homework time. No phone, no video games, no nothing. Do your homework. And that's what they're doing to Kyler Murray. They're saying, hey, you have to do your homework, Kyler, or else you're not going to get paid. You're not going to get your allowance this week. Do your homework, Kyler. Like, like that is ridiculous. And to me, that speaks that that's confirmation bias. In my opinion, you see that they fall off at the end of the year and you then have this added to your contract. A plus B equals C two plus two equals four. To me, that's good. You fall off. You fall off at the end of the year. You need to be told to do extra study. Oh, I wonder why you fall off at the end of the year. Like that's good. Like, I mean, like I I don't really understand it. The, but the thing is, is like I don't know who's worse. I don't know who's who's dumber in this in this scenario. The Cardinals or Kyler Murray? Like Cardinals are giving have, them the money, or you have you have Kyler Murray, who is this uh, amazing athlete. Dude, do is a, a first round MLB draft pick. He could have went and played baseball. He would have made a lot more money potentially. But he went. He he went. He went and played. He he chose football. He has so much talent, but you don't study, and your team pays for it. You get obliterated in the play. Embarrassed. Like you shouldn't have even been there. Like, like terrible. Shouldn't have even been there. But then on the other hand, you have the Cardinals, who you're paying two hundred and thirty and a half million dollars to a quarterback that doesn't study, and you have to put it in writing. But guess what? You still gave it to him with 160 million guaranteed. I don't know who's stupider. Like I really don't. Like well, just, I want to like, say I want to. The Cardinals had no choice. I'll give him that. I think I agree with Chris. They're, he's overpaid. He's he's a 37 to 42 million dollar a year per per year quarterback. 
but he doesn't have the success of Dak Prescott, doesn't have an MVP like Lamar, who's going to be the next overpaid quarterback. Uh, he, he doesn't have a lot of play. He doesn't have any playoff success. He falls off at the end of every season. But the Cardinals had no other option. Who are they going to go to? They they traded Josh Rosen, who was their first round quarterback the year before, to take Kyler Murray at that in, in that year. So you have to pay him. But guess what? What the Cardinals were saying is they said, let me look left, let me look right. There's no one else here. We're kind of stuck with Kyler. So let's pay him and let's put this in the deal but we're not happy about it. Like that's honestly, no matter what the Cardinals tell me that they love Kyler and he works hard. Notice how, sorry, I know I'm going on a really big rant right here, but um, the, the players that came to Kyler's support said, Oh, Kyler knows the playbook. Kyler was helping me with the playbook. We're not talking about the playbook guys. We're talking about studying the other teams. We're talking about studying film. We're talking about being ready to do your job. And I don't care if you know the playbook. If you don't know what the other team's doing, what is, what is that for you? Like, I mean, it just, it just blows my mind. Blows well, my mind. The thing that gets me is when you think about it, like, let's say I'm making a $50,000 salary and I'm a manager at a company and the CEO comes up to me and goes, you know what, Chris? You've been doing a very decent job, but I tell you what, I'll pay you a lot more. You just have to sign something saying you'll do better. Name a corporation that's going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to pay you a $90,000 salary now, but you just have to write down that you'll try harder. Give me 40 more minutes a week, a yeah. day, 40 <laughs> more minutes a day. You got to stay at work 40 more minutes a day, not a full like, hour. How dumb does that sound? Like It's, just, <laughs> it, it's mind boggling and it's Hey, Chris, you're not doing your job already, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to give you more money to keep doing your job. I'm going to give you more money to keep doing your job poorly. But here, right on this paper that I agree to do a little bit more of my work. Like, and then, not, and then, like, and then because, and because you're signing this, now we have no more money to pay any other pieces around you. So good luck. So we're going to lose players. We expect <laughs> you to do more with this. The fact is it was four hours of extra time. That's one less than an hour a day of right. Monday through Friday that you have to do. If you're like that to me is an insult. Like I would be, I wouldn't have a problem if it was like 10 more hours a week, 12 more hours a week. That means you're not doing anything. <laughs> you're doing the bare hey, minimum. Give me, give me at least four hours, please, Kyler. Like how much work on your own do you think Tom Brady is doing? Aaron Rodgers is doing. <laughs> like there's a reason they have success. Like, because they're probably spending 15, 20, 30 hours a week on their own doing their own work. I saw a but, meme. That's it's high. like, Kyler, please do four for us. Please do four. Like, I saw, <laughs> ridiculous. I saw a meme that was Kyler Murray's extra time, and it was him playing Madden 23. <laughs> I mean, it looks like how he plays in real life. He just snapped the ball and sc- snaps the ball and takes off running. <laughs> That's my uh, strategy. All right. Well, I'm going to add this one. With, with him being, in a sense, overpaid, Chris, who is the best bang for your buck going into 2022? Who is getting – who is going to – like? because we all think that QBs get overpaid for the most I part. Won't say, I won't say Dylan's, but I definitely agree with Dylan's once he's going to say it. But I'll, I'll leave it to Dylan. 
but for me, it's Lamar Jackson. And don't get me wrong, he's about to get paid. But yeah, think... at the moment, at the moment, Lamar Jackson is going into this season. Where is he at on my list? I'm blind, so I can't even see him. But it was like something like 2.6 or something like that. Yeah, there it is, 2.3 going into this year. A guy who's won an MVP and is consistently won won 10-plus games every year he's been – besides the first year. Uh, I wouldn't be able to say that with 100% confidence. But an over-10 win team average per season. So I'll just say average because I can guarantee that. But – He's going to get paid. Actually, I don't know. We'll see. That's an interesting one because if he doesn't show throwing improvement this year, I mean, that's not a guy that you can count on. So I do think he'll get paid because when you think of Baltimore, you think Lamar now. When you think Baltimore, you used to think Ray Lewis. But now, like, you think of Baltimore, the face of Baltimore is Lamar. And that's all there is to it. Like, I honestly don't think of anyone else but Lamar and injuries. All right. Dill, uh, you have a different answer? Yeah. I mean, so I can give you like a kind of joke answer if we're talking about average annual value going into 2022 and say the answer is Tom Brady, whose average value for this year's contract is $15 million. Uh, that's a severe underpay. Uh, you could also say, a guy that I, I'm, my answer is not this, but also Justin Herbert uh, is an answer who's getting paid a couple million. But my answer is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is getting paid this year $9 million, and he just went to the Super Bowl in his essential first four, full year playing the quarterback position in the NFL. Uh, I mean, he played really well. They were literally a, a second away from winning the Super Bowl. If their defense could block Aaron Donald for a half second longer, you have mm-hmm. you have Jamar Chase running up the sideline, free past Jalen Ramsey for a touchdown, um, and so they they win the Super Bowl if that happens. So I think Joe Burrow might be the 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 most underpaid, but I mean Lamar could win that because he's getting paid seven million dollars less, and he has an MVP, but he only has I think one playoff win, hasn't been in the Super Bowl. So, but you could say Joe Burrow doesn't have an MVP. So you can go either yeah. side. So, I don't know. And just to correct you, you said defense couldn't stop Aaron Donald. You meant offensive line couldn't stop Aaron Donald. Oh, right? offensive line. Yeah, whatever. So um, You could have the whole team on the field and then <laughs> stop Aaron Donald. So, I mean. Just, just keep this in mind. Jared Goff is getting paid $33 million this year. Whew. The fact that Joe Tom Brady is getting paid $15 million in average annual value for this year. Is... And Jared Goff gets paid twice as much. Yeah. Well, actually, that's average salary. 22 cash earnings. The 2022 cash earnings, Tom Brady's getting paid 30 million. So it's a little bit better, but still. But that's but that's why he's the greatest. He sacrifices to put a team around him, and he's always done that throughout his career. That is true. All right, guys. On that note, we are going to disappear. Like always, give us, you know, if you'd like to give us comments, topics, things to talk, you know. So next week, we will have the AFC South, which will be very interesting. It's a very interesting conversation. There's a lot to talk about there. And Chris is giving me the look like, just no, I'm kidding. (laughs) All right, guys, we are out. See you next week.